Porch Wine and Gravy. I'm Jolie Mo, And I'm Lucius Fondo. And this is Porch Wine and Gravy. Today we're going to talk to Kit. He is a food writer and food photographer in Baton Rouge, but he is originally from Acadiana. So we're going to talk to him about, uh, obviously, food writing and photography that he does in Baton Rouge, and also below his, his culture and his food here in Acadiana. Yeah, I hear his mom is like the best cook. He has to say that, but I think he really means no, it. No, I think he really is it. I like that he, uh, he'll he tell you how he gets his mom to cook for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Today will also be the recipe for my recipe for banh mi. I change it up a little bit to uh, kind of match what we have here in Acadiana. Yeah, that's, uh, you kind of fancy it up, too. I do fancy it up, too. Aren't you fancy? Stay tuned. So our guest today is Kit. I first noticed Kit on Instagram, actually. Um, his pictures kind of drew me in, and we went on a trip to Baton Rouge, and as most People in my life can tell you I have an innate ability to pick the worst possible place to eat. So I decided I would eliminate that by actually sending messages to Kit. And he was wonderful, and he answered me back. So I thought, obviously, the man knows about food. Let's have him on. Hello, Kit, and welcome to Porch Wine and Gravy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on such short notice. No problem. It's pretty exciting. So I called you. I mean, we talked about it because you're on Instagram, and in Baton Rouge, you... I shoot fi- food pictures for the publications in Baton Rouge, um, and also do marketing for restaurants and local business owners, and also work for Yelp as a brand ambassador. So I'm pretty busy all the so time. A little yeah. bit about food, just tiny bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, I, and it was funny because I was, um, we were talking about earlier, you know, the Vietnamese culture, and I was sitting there and I was like, you know, I really want to talk to somebody about this. And me and you, it's just space that had little tiny Instagram and you're like that's my family and I was like wait a minute I think he's from here hold on I bet you I could talk to him about it so you are originally from Acadiana yes I actually went to UL graduated from UL um, grew up most of my life here Um, yeah when did y'all move here um gosh that was back in 1991 it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. There was like this huge earthquake in California, and then after that, we we settled in Lafayette. So, what does your family do in Acadiana? Um, my parents are retired. They spend most of their time either um, gardening, gardening, or uh, in Vietnam nowadays. Um, but prior to that, really, um, well, my family friend now runs Pho Saigon um, on Ambassador Caffrey now. Um, but prior to that, I was involved with Photastic for probably like a year and a half before I departed. Um, so you, you probably, you've probably seen me run around if you ever ate there. Oh, yeah, I yeah. ate there. <laughs> um, so we, I was there for a year and a half after they opened, um, and then I ended up leaving. And then from there, I just my food picture business just kind of blew up, and that kind of Yeah, I saw snowballed. it. Was it yeah. Did you expect it to do that? Like No. Um, it kind of just... It, it fell into my lap, and, and um, it, I just went with it. Like, so it just start, started with, like, an Instagram account? So it started with um, Yelp noticing my pictures for Fantastic. Um The newspaper, The Advocate, mm-hmm. started um, contracting me to do their food pictures, too, and then have a monthly article with them now, too. Um, and then I also, um, you know, it just it just 
kind of snowball, and I went with it. So that's crazy. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it would be a different. I thought it would be. I, I was expecting the traditional. I was on Instagram, and then it it kind of it was it kind of um, Instagram helped it. it. Right, like people like know kind of it's like half and half. People know me from Instagram, and people know me from you know the restaurant um, industry. Because once you work with one person, you kind of just start networking with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And this are yeah, that's kind of, to me. It sounds maybe the funner side of the restaurant industry. Yes, you get to eat and take I, pictures. I, yeah, I literally get paid to eat and take food pictures. So, you know. <laughs> but he's complaining. No. But what's it like growing up here and being? It's. I mean, it's totally different. It is. It, you know. It is. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, like when we were growing up, to have good Vietnamese food, um, we would drive all the way to New Orleans, um, in the West Bank. Uh, used to be on the West Bank. And so we would go there, order like 15 servings of pho, bring them home, freeze it, and then eat it, you know, later on. Um, but now, um, it kind of, it's completely different. Like, we have mm-hmm. so many Vietnamese and Asian um, options now in Lafayette. But um, I guess growing up in Lafayette, being um, from a traditional Vietnamese family, it was very different. Like, I remember... Um, I would bring my lunch sometimes to school, and the kids, mm-hmm. the kids would tease you because they're like, "What is that?" And now, as an adult, people are like, "Oh, I kind of want that now." You know, it's like you know. I think my first experience with actual is so funny because, and we say it wrong, but you know how in New Orleans I call it Fotel Bay, mm-hmm. and I know that's not. Yep. My daughter is obsessed with Fo, my oldest, my 13-year-old, and she was this giant fat baby. Okay. And so they had seen me pregnant, then they saw me, and they knew me from Carl's. I have all these, and the women in the kitchen, and obviously I don't speak any Vietnamese, but I know, I know, pretty much I know the word for fat baby now, or I can hear it and recognize it, because (laughs) they would, and they would steal my baby. Like pick her up, yep. take her in the kitchen, and be like, "Look!" And like, like they were proud of her mm-hmm. for me. Like, look how fat this baby is. Yeah, that's this how is. Vietnamese families are. Yeah. They didn't know that. I was like, "Why do they keep taking this baby?" And they were just like, "But she's so fat." They were just so proud of me. <laughs> they, I was like, "Yeah, is that a cultural thing?" That is a cultural thing because, like, I mean, like when my mom notices that I've lost weight and I go visit her, she's like, "Okay." Here's here's food. She starts cooking. She starts like going in the kitchen. It's like here, eat this, eat this. Like no, mom. And then like when you gain weight, they're like, oh, you've you've gained weight. Here's some more food. You know, <laughs> that's the Vietnamese thing. <laughs> Since you grew up, obviously, or we're in Cajun country, and did y'all inherit some of the food culture here into your daily life? Yes. So I make a joke all the time. Like, I have to marry someone that can make gumbo, and I'll make pho for them. There you go. Because, like, gumbo is, like, my thing. Like, even traveling outside of Louisiana, um, you know, I I talk about gumbo, and people are very interested because, obviously, I'm Vietnamese. And they're like, you like gumbo? And I'm like, yeah, I grew up in Lafayette. That's kind of like the staple here, you know? Uh, Rice and gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Just made that last night for dinner. (laughs) So, like, I make jokes with my friends all the time. I'm like, hey, okay, I'll get you my mom's egg rolls if you can make me, like, rice and gravy. So, that, that's... And a good exchange. Yeah, yeah. Does your mom make rice and gravy? You know? She doesn't. She makes a good gumbo, though. Does she? It's a little... It's like, um... So, it has, like, a, a flair of, like, her Vietnamese cooking style with, you know, Cajun um, style, too. So, it, it, it's very interesting. It's very good. Okay, so everybody eats pho. Yep. And banh mi's. Yep. And we know that that's our safe... Go that's to. your safe bets, yeah. And I would say for someone going to Vietnamese food for the first time, it's probably a good idea. Like, mm-hmm. just go just go to the safe zone. Yep. 
Don't be like me the first time and then like, oh, I'm never going back. I did learn my lesson. A lot of people start off with chicken pho because right. that's like the that's like the safest bet. White meat from the chicken and then um, chicken broth with noodles. So it's like kind of like a Vietnamese chicken noodle soup. It um, is. Yeah, and that's kind of like the gateway to like the the other dishes. And then mm-hmm. we get into beef. Yep. What would you recommend for someone to get? They want to venture out past pho, but not too far. Okay. So maybe like that next step. What's the, the next baby step? So the next step would be, uh, it's called bum bok hui, mm-hmm. um, which literally translates to um, bum is uh, vermicelli, okay. uh, ba is beef, and then hui is a region in Vietnam. So it's a spicy noodle soup. Um, the noodles are a little thicker, and the broth is, um, it's it's more savory okay. than pho. Um, you don't really need to add like sriracha or, or hoisin because it's already um, uh, been boiled down and seasoned so well um, so that you don't really have to make any additions to it. You just kind of stir it up and eat it. Um, if you're not adventurous, um, ask them to not put the um, congealed blood or the pork knuckle. Yeah. That's because nice. traditionally it's made with the pork knuckle and people, when they see the pork knuckle, they freak out. But it's, um, you know, it has slices of pork and slices of beef in it. So uh, that, that would be the next step from pho. And then what would be, I'd say, like, the true adventurer? Like, that's it. I want to try. And it's going to, they'll be happy with it, but it's like. Um, I, I guess the, what freaks people out with um, some of our Vietnamese dishes is the congealed blood. Because it's kind of like, um, it, it, it's similar to a blood blood sausage or blood boudin. And, um, do you have that at home, congealed blood? Like, do you make dishes at home with it? My mom does, but I don't. That, honestly, I, I'm not a like I, when I was younger, I did like it, but now as an adult, it kind of, it, it's kind of has a rich taste to it, to uh-huh. where I don't like it anymore. Where do they get like that? I mean, that just seems like an odd item. Yeah, I mean, to, you can go, go to the grocery store and get you can it. go to a butcher shop and ask them for it. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and then you go home and you kind of make it. But you know, in Vietnam, they don't even share their secrets of how they make it with me. So it's kind of like you kind of have to observe and try to catch bits and pieces of Ooh, I love that they it. don't share it. you have no they do you not. have to be there yeah like my mom like I said it's mom, such a mom thing my, my mom's egg rolls her her recipe I, like you you would never get it um you, so you, you kind of have to like spy on her and see how she makes them um in Baton Rouge she's like I try to let people know like there's so much more to Vietnamese food than um, there seems to be a, a high prevalence in Baton Rouge of Vietnamese food too right yeah, there is it, it's it's grown a lot we have uh, I mean, there used to be one restaurant called Dang's. They've been there forever. Um, and that's like, people go there. The people know Dang's. But um, now there's like uh, the newer generation, and they're opening their own restaurants. And um, like, they, they they do serve like some of the traditional dishes that um, once people do try them, they, they love it. Like, White, someone said there's a place in uh, White Star Market. Yes, uh, White Star Market has, it's kind of like a dining hall. Mm-hmm. They have. Um, kind of like St. Claude Market. Yes, but they have a, a really good ramen shop that's more Japanese. Oh, it's ramen. Mm-hmm. I just said noodles. No, but um, it actually is actually ran by a Vietnamese guy. Oh, that's um, funny. Well, you know, he probably, I would assume, knows how to make a pretty mean broth. He does. He um, So he takes influences from the Japanese culture and the influence, influence from the Vietnamese culture, and he kind of combines it, and it, it, it works really well. And he's actually um, Paul Q's brother-in-law. Oh, really? Yeah. See? Just, everyone's connected. Everyone is connected. <laughs> that's so funny. What is, like, your favorite... And I ask every guest, it's like, what at-home meal? Like, what when you're sad, when you're mm-hmm. happy, what's the thing that you just want in front of you right now? Okay. So um, there's a dish called ganjuo ga, okay. um, which is, it translates to sour um, 
fish soup. Um, it's a tamarind base, so it has mm. like a like a sour uh, kick to it. And then you um, traditionally use kind of like a flaky fish. And so every time I'm like I'm sick or I'm feeling sad or whatever, uh, I would call my mom up and say, ask her, you know, hey, can I? Can you make me a pot? And you know, and then I, I, sometimes I lie and I, and I say I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> now she knows. Yeah. She's still not going to say no. I know old moms. They're yeah. like, oh, baby asked for food. Mm-hmm. Baby gets food. Yeah, exactly. And, and no matter how old you get, by the way, exactly. I 13 year old. I'm like, no. Yep. And, and then, then she's like, mm, I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, and she'll she'll make me a pot, and that, that's like the best thing in the world. Thank yeah, I guess if people have questions about Vietnamese food or just where to eat in general, um, they can find me on Instagram. Instagram, um, it, it's it's called KitKat, so it's K-I-E-T underscore K-A-T, which is kind of a play on our names. Uh, K-I-E-T is Kit in Vietnamese, and then Cat is the name of one of my best friends. And if you ever get a chance to travel like to Japan, um, KitKats in Japan, they have like the craziest flavors. Well, thank you for kick for coming and talking to us. Thank you thank for taking me. your time. I can't believe it worked out so. It well. worked out perfectly because again, I was craving my mom's cooking, and I came home, and, <laughs> and you messaged me. So I was like, you know what, this all works out. I so. love your that you're just like, call mom. I need this. And she was, probably, was she cooking before you even got on the road, or she was like knew you were coming. She knew I was coming. She was like, she was already preparing. So. To see Kit's work, you can follow him on Instagram. Now it's KitKat, K-I-E-T dash K-A-T. You can also see the recipe for his favorite meal on the blog at porchwineandgravy.com. So today's recipe is my version of the banh mi sandwich. I actually jokingly call it the banh mimo, mainly because I like to say it. <laughs> I... I call it good. It's it's actually the only banh mi sandwich that I like for several reasons, besides the fact that I, you know. I think the noise you don't like that the bread can be hard and, and cold yeah, and tough to get through. I don't like the pate that they use. Right. And I love pork belly. Because, yeah. Pork belly is awesome. Right. So pretty much what I took is a banh mi sandwich, and you'll see all these recipes on the blog, by the way. And I kind of reconstructed it with things that I think we would like. So instead of the pate that they usually use, I replaced it with my pork rillettes, which is like, we call it pork butter. It's like a spreadable pork homemade. It's amazing. (laughs) That's on the blog, too. It's addictive. And then I do a Vietnamese braised pork belly. Now, this pork belly, you can actually just have for dinner, make and stir fry. It's really, really simple to make. And so I like to make it, and I use it, on this banh mi sandwich is one of the many options. It's also by itself like super impressive looking because it's... It's pretty. It's pretty. It's rolled up as it's cooked yeah, and you, sliced. It's, it's it, probably one of the biggest reactions on the blog and Instagram is, is the pork belly because it looks so pretty. So this banh mi is mainly assembly at this point because you probably have all these things prepared ahead of time. What I usually do is I start by doing my little 10-minute pickling of my daikon radish and carrots. I'm cutting little matchstick sizes. That takes about 10 minutes. I have them to the side. I make a little mix of mayonnaise and chili garlic sauce, which is sriracha makes a virgin. Put that to the side. Take my nice, fresh, soft bread. Slice it. I cover the bottom in pork rillettes. I top that with the Vietnamese braised pork belly. 
And then I take this wonderful product that we're huge fans of in this house called Pork Sung. My kids call it pork cotton candy. And the best way to describe it, it's like this almost beautifully, thinly, thinly shredded beef jerky kind of product. Except it's pork jerky. It's wonderful. I mean, it sounds weird, but you, once you try it, you can't go back. You're done. It melts in your mouth. It's amazing. So I sprinkle the pork sung on top of that. I top that with fresh cucumbers and fresh jalapeno slices. Then I put on the pickled carrots and radish, some fresh cilantro on top of that. And I do the very top of the bread. I coat with the mayonnaise, the chili garlic mayonnaise mix. And that's it. You're done. It's so good. It's like it is very close to a traditional banh mi sandwich. I've just amped it up a little bit and add a little bit of Cajun in. Not a lot of Cajun, but a little bit. This is a sandwich I usually make because I already have my pork riettes in my freezer because when you make pork riettes, which are on the blog too, you're going to have excess. They freeze really well, especially with that layer of fat cap on them. And then I'll make a Vietnamese pork belly for dinner actually, and I'll have leftovers because it makes a lot. And so the next day I pull out the riettes, take this pork belly, and boom, I have a whole new dinner and I have a very happy round man. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm usually pretty happy anyway. That's true, but you're much happier when you have a lot of pork products with spicy so stuff. So true, so true. For this show's recipes, including the banh mi sandwich and Kit's favorite dish, banh bo hu, you can go to the blog at porchwineandgravy.com and you can find them both there. Reminded me of my connection again with Fotel Bay, which is a, um, a Vietnamese restaurant in New Orleans. I have a lot of history with Fotel Bay, and we already discussed the <laughs> love of my very large baby. You know. You know. I think you mentioned Fotel Bay within the first week of me knowing you. I we have an obsession as a family with it. So you know, I brought May there as as a newborn and infant. I mean, she's a noodle smuggler. She yeah. stole so many noodles from Fotel Bay in her diaper; it was ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, so she's, they still, they still are massively obsessed with Vietnamese food and like my my daughter now eats all the different versions of pho or pho. And so probably one of the best moments, I guess, Pho Tobay has been very, like, has been there for a lot of strange, important moments. So I have, my middle child is very tiny. But she was not very tiny in utero. (laughs) And so I tell people, it's funny, I went to my doctor. I was about my, you know, three week pre-checkup, like 37 weeks. I was like 37 and a half weeks. I go in, doctor does the ultrasound and she's like, all right, well, you know, this baby's looking like it's going to be about 12 pounds. And of course I was like, excuse me, ma'am, that's not funny. Like, that's not funny at all. I'm not having a 12 pound baby. No. And she's like, well, there's really nothing you can do about it. She's gaining a pound a week and You've got two and a half weeks to go, and 
she's almost 10 pounds. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> What's the scariest? Well, that has to be one of the. Yeah, that's scary. For you imagine someone telling you, uh, "Excuse me, baby, you're gonna have a baby almost twice the size of a normal baby." Like that's insane. <laughs> Your brain can't even like wrap around what's gonna happen to you in this situation. And so, obviously, I was a little upset. May was hungry, so I went to Fotel Bay, and we're sitting there eating pho, and and I'm thinking of having a 12-pound baby looking (laughs) by the way looking at my very large baby thinking I'm gonna have a baby this big but like she grew this big I'm gonna have one just come out this big it was scary and crazily enough somehow my brain I think communicated to my belly (laughs) and was like we're not doing this and, and all the lady was like, you're right, we're not doing this. I think my body all came to an agreement, like like a, a meeting of all the minds, and went into labor at Fotel Bay. Like you knew you were, that was labor right there, you knew it? You were ready to go? Well, I got the little, like, oh, well, that's a cup. And the ladies were like, uh, uh. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, and you know, the, the ladies in the kitchen were kind of like, mm, I think we know what that is. <laughs> so I got my stuff to go. Yep. Went to the house, was like, this can't be labor. But then thought to myself, I mean, I'm cool with it because I'm not having a 12 pound baby. baby. <laughs> so the last thing I ate before I had Evie was foot because I went home, tried to lay down. And sure enough, the labor just intensified intensified so much that I made it to the hospital uh, like barely I think it was nine centimeters when I got there I got a round of applause from the nurses oh. I didn't realize how exciting it is to labor and delivery nurses when you come in and like 99% of the work is done uh, yeah. they must love people like I, they do they were like look at you and I'm like I didn't really do do anything really I just kind of sat there and right they don't have to coddle you or assure you everything no and, okay like, and, and you know what the screaming and yelling is only very small when you're about to have a baby in 10 minutes it's the drive-through version I know forever my dad like was like I'm gonna put on a movie and, and like, the doctor was like no you're not like just having a now baby now <laughs> baby was born one push that's how much my body wasn't having a 12 pound baby by the way and then we went home, and I had photo pay when I checked out of the hospital because <laughs> it was in the fridge. <laughs> uh, did uh, so when you finally went back after giving birth to? I, yeah, I think I, I don't remember. It was the sister I think was working, and I did. I told her the story. I'm like, I don't know what it is about this place, <laughs> but for some reason, this place wants my babies. You know what I mean? Like either wants the fat baby or is making that baby come out so it can become a fat baby. Uh-huh. I actually I'm wondering if the ladies put something in my food. We're like, we need the new fat baby. Like, bring it on. Well, I mean, they wouldn't tell you if they did, because, you know, they keep everything secret is what Kit said. I do. And you know what? I I bet you I did see a glink of disappointment in their eyes <laughs> when Evie refused to become fat. <laughs> she stayed a small skinny baby and they were like, wait a minute. Hey. Promises. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is both my older girls to this day. Love Vietnamese food so much that the Fotel Bay actually went to is closed, but there is one open in in um, downtown New Orleans, I think, around the CBD. But we go to another uh, restaurant called Tan Din, and it's funny because we sit there and you could see the waiters are shocked because my daughters are like, "Yes, we will take this, this, and this," and I'm like, "Don't, don't second guess them. They'll eat it all." That's right. And they do. I mean, they're 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 very adventurous. But you know what? That's good food. I'm sorry. I love Vietnamese. <laughs> 
that. Dude, I mean, I don't know if anyone's noticed looking at the blog, but uh, there is like just the most recipes are Cajun food and Asian food. But I think it's because it's that we love that spice and that deep broth, and they love pork, and we love pork, and like. Even like the soup that's going on the blog, the, that spicy beef soup. I remember when he put it down and I looked at it and I could smell it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to have this. <laughs> and it was good. Well, and then you even said his mom's, you know, makes gumbo. It's the same kind of feeling. It's like you, just looking at like that soup made me feel comforted. You know, like I wanted to dig in there and I knew after I ate it, I would f- feel better. Yeah. You could, you could literally taste and smell the care. You can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I one day dream of going to Vietnam and eating my way through the whole entire country. Well, that's it for today. We'd like to thank our guest, Kit. Yep. He was a great guest. We learned a lot. We did learn a lot. And, oh, he brought us food, too. So, he really... We, we like that everybody brings us food. I know. We do not... We swear we don't ask him to, but... Um, it's just part of who we all are. That's Louisiana, if ever that see it. That is Louisiana. I, uh, talk about food while we eat food, while we discuss what food we'll have next. Yep. Speaking of food, if you want uh, to look up any of the recipes we talked about today, you can go to porchwineandgravy.com. Look those up and uh, lots of other ones. There is a lot on there. <laughs> so uh, until next time. Until next time, I hope you have some time on a porch, a little bit of wine, and lots of gravy. Gravy.